Hey everybody, Payments Professor here, and I got to tell you we are going to have an exciting episode of the Payments Podium today. I have Bobby Rohr Kemper with us. He's actually a PhD in AI, and he's going to be, uh, well, in a lot of different things, I should really say. He's going to be here to be able to help us learn a little bit more about how banking and AI is going to work. Thanks a lot, Kevin. It's great to be here. It was great to see you in Portugal recently, too. Well, yeah, and you, you actually just let people know that we, we met in Portugal at the Payments Innovation Alliance, uh, not just global event, I should say, in that case. And Bobby was doing a presentation on banking AI. And I mean, I got to say, I was just blown away uh, because there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of concerns that are out there. There's a lot of people that are speaking negatively to it. And you're somebody who's given some really great positive views on that. Could you actually enlighten us a little bit on what what is it, you know, just at a high level, what is banking and AI? Where do they meet? What does that mean? There's so many intersections. It depends which viewpoint you have. If you're taking the viewpoint of the fraud professionals or the fraudsters or the banks, and they, they all are impacted in different ways. For some people, it creates more work. For others, it's alleviating some of their work. For others, it's creating more challenges. So it's a little bit of everything, depending on who you are. All right. I want to hit on two big ones that you, you got my attention on, fraudsters and fraud prevention. Let's start with fraudsters. Mm -hmm. Does AI benefit the fraudster? I mean, can is this something that they will be able to use to help them in their nefarious acts? Well, it's a double-edged sword for the fraudsters because they, they need to be more creative. They need to up their game. Otherwise, they don't stand a chance anymore. So if they're trying simple transactions and just repeating the same thing on at a number of different merchants, well, that that doesn't work anymore because we have a global view of all of the merchants and we can use AI to detect these kind of patterns. And on the other hand, they do get a big boost because the, the days of writing scam emails with grammar mistakes and poor language, English or any language, are those are over. So they, they can have just a broad idea, kind of half-baked idea. And yeah, I want to write this. I want to impersonate this person. And just um, write, even the input doesn't even have to be spelled correctly. So chat GPT will understand whatever you type. If you use kind of SMS text language or, or you write something more academic, it will understand your intention and it will give you back a completely well-formatted um, skimming message that you can then send out to a bunch of people by email. And it gets worse because if you know anything personal about your target, where they went to school, where they are, which bank they have, uh, maybe what sports their children play, just anything then you can put that in there into your prompt and it will incorporate that information and it can make it seem as if the person that's writing really knows them and it scales to a high degree. So fraudsters can just pump out these messages one after the other. They can spend 10 seconds on each of them and they get a message that's complete and as if a person had thought it through carefully for hours and 
it's very very sophisticated and that at right, moment, I, I want to stop you right there real quick right there because i know like some of my colleagues here stateside i have showed them chat gpt and how it works and mm-hmm. i've also you know started talking about uh, i see a new field a new career happening called uh prompt engineering yes where those people, people are very highly paid apparently like they can earn hundreds of thousands of dollars for as a prompt engineer Okay, can we just explain that concept real quick, to, to yeah. know what that is? Because a, a lot of people hear AI and don't understand what it means. Like yeah. chat GPT, that's a website you can go to and you can get to where you're at a prompt and you can start instructing or working with AI to produce the things you want. That's right. If you can right. use Google, you can use chat GPT or even easier. So uh, the prompt is this text box that you type into and... You know, people were thinking text boxes are not really that exciting, but suddenly with chat GPT, text boxes are way more exciting than they were before. And so there are a number of recipes for how you write write good prompts, but there's some different components. So some contextual information, you state what you're looking for, or you state your goal, you state the style, the language that you want to have. You say maybe a few examples of what you want to include and who's your target audience. So all of these things go into prompt engineering. And it's quite intuitive for how to do it, but I think there's a difference between the people that are doing it well and the ones that are best in class. So And they're really worth top dollar now. Yeah, and it, it's actually, it's amazing because... You know, like, for example, people out there listening, you could say, hey, write me a poem. Okay, and it will write you a poem. Mm -hmm. But you could also say, write me a poem in an old English 17th century style as if it was coming from Shakespeare himself, written on a beach on a sunny day. And it it will do that. Yeah. And it it will will do it in seconds. That's the fascinating part. So it's taking something like that and that prompt. And then in this case, you were talking about the fraudster can take in that level of detail and information that the AI can be fed mm-hmm. and say something like, okay, you're Kevin, you're the payments professor, you're a, a Tampa Bay Lightning fan living in Tampa. And with that type of information, then create an email or a phishing type yes. scam yes. that's going to be personalized just to me. And we could take the transcripts of all of your previous podcasts and feed that in and say, this is the style that Kevin speaks in. Make sure what you're writing matches that. So it's it's scary. Or we can impersonate any other public figure in the same way. Okay. And on that impersonate, because again, I, I guess let's go in a little bit of the scary areas of AI too. Is it possible to take those recordings of me and not just get how I talk, but get my actual voice? It is. To where people can impersonate my voice? So at the moment, ChatGPT is text input and text output, but there are other tools that generate voices. And at the moment, they still add watermarks, actually acoustic watermarks to the voice. So a company that has the software that can detect these very high frequencies in in the audio, they could recognize that with an algorithm. But if a, a bad actor wants to do the same thing and they don't want to put those watermarks in, they, they will also find a way. And it, it only takes about 10 seconds of a person's voice to completely generate that voice. And to, 10 make, it, seconds. to wow. make it believable. Yeah. 
Okay, so that 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 is the scary part. But you also mentioned the fact that, like for example, the AI can detect anomalies or can detect when there are trends that are starting to take place and shut down fraud faster than ever before. Yes, yeah. So that's my specialty at Worldline. So I'm a data scientist. I work in a fraud operations team, and I write AI models. And we we use data across different tenants, across different banks, and we combine them all into one more powerful model than what any single bank could write with their own data. So what would you tell people is the level of difference or success that you're seeing? So like, for example, if we were to go back five years ago and some of the fraud controls we had, say pre-AI, maybe it's more like 10 years ago, uh, versus what we've got now, what would you say the level of success is that you're seeing by using these new AI models, by having this new technology available to you? It depends on really the fraud marks. So if you have good data, good historical fraud marks, and you have a lot of examples of historical fraud, then it works well. But if you're a bank that doesn't have the process in place to collect this feedback from the cardholders, then you're going to be behind. But that's not a reason not to get started. So we need to start somewhere. We need to generate alerts. And as those alerts go to an investigation team, the investigation team will forward them to the banks and they get verified with the cardholders. So there's this whole workflow and whole process in place. So it's actually a self-fulfilling mechanism. So a positive uh-huh. feedback loop where the more fraud you detect, the more examples you get, the more feedback you get from the banks the better the training data is for the algorithm, the better the algorithm works, the more mm-hmm. fraud it detects. So, but then, you know, you think, okay, it's over, we've solved it, but that's not the case either. These models need to be updated because fraudsters change their behavior, they change their patterns, they find new technical means to, to find victims and to convince them to take actions and at that point, it's the real cardholder that's using their own card to pay. So you have to look at the behavior and you can't just find a technical way to say, oh, that card was stolen because the card wasn't really stolen. It's still being used by the original cardholder. All right. I got a couple of things I got to comment on on this. So first of all, you have to have the data to begin with. And that's something we've always seen. That unless we've got something, you know, to be able to benchmark ourselves against, it's hard to be able to start doing the predicting or detection of stuff. That's actually something that I know is a concern here in the U.S. As you know, we're just now getting our instant payment systems going. Uh, We've had RTP for a while, but the FedNow system, you know, is still brand new in its infancy. And there's some fear that there'll be some fraud. And I have told people we'll need some to be able to start detecting the future fraud. So yeah. That's yeah. And with instant payments, you have the fraud and the money is gone and right. it's already in the receiving account. And with credit, so once credit we card get payments, that benchmark, can we then stop it? Will we be able to, once we've started, we get it. And let's say the fraud takes place, but we've got the benchmark, the data to go by. Will we then be able to use AI type tools to prevent future fraud? Well, we can already do it from the start. We can detect certain kinds of fraud. We can implement sanctions lists. So so we can use fuzzy matching algorithms to match the names to a list of known fraudsters or a list of known terrorists. 
And even if they make spelling mistakes, we can still still find that. So we do have tools that we can already use and it, it will get better and better as we have more training data. And instant payments is special, but it's not really different from credit card payments. But the the algorithms for, for credit card payments, they also can work within milliseconds. So if you want your instant payment to go through within a few seconds as, as expected, that's, that's not a problem. Even very complicated machine learning AI models, the inferencing, which means making the decision, can happen instantly. It can take hundreds of hours to train them, but then once they're live and working, they work instantly also. So, but okay, I got to hit on what you said too is milliseconds, because a big fear we've got with these instant payments is people like, we can't do all that scanning. We can't do the things we've done on the classic slower model of payments. But the reality is, yes, we can. The computers are at that point. The technology is available that in milliseconds, all this screening can take place. That's right. So the the screening happens. You can have a decision. You can have different levels of decisions too. So this transaction will be alerted. And if subsequent transactions come through, they might be blocked. Or no, let's block this one immediately. Or let's block that account completely. Or let's block the receiving account completely. So there are, there's a lot of different levels. There's some nuance to how it works. And we can also combine these AI models together with rules. So we can say, let's uh, let payments below a certain amount through. Or they, they go to one model that's a bit less strict on what it's letting through. And then if you have higher amounts, those are going to a different model that's much more stringent about what it will approve. Okay, so you can have it. I I really like that idea too, because I know some people, you know, there's less, it's, let's just say, we're willing to take a smaller uh, loss uh, do you know not have to do as much of a level of detection but i agree with you on that like for example if i see something three hundred thousand dollars coming through i want more screening to be done on that versus something that's only three dollars that's right through. right so you so have your models have that ability. and you can still have rules as a safety net which is not just a good idea it's really a must because the models they detect new patterns but if you know something that the bank is definitely not willing to let through. You just write a rule, and that rule works in combination with the models, and that's your safety net. Okay, here's another thing. As we're working with this, because you know, I hear a lot about AI learns from the data, and it adapts and moves along with the data. How quickly does it move along and adapt? So let's say if I put a model out day one, and 90 days later, how... It, how can you explain to us that, you know, it's going to evolve to another level in 90 days that will improve upon the fraud detection? So we, we need to monitor the performance of the model over these 90 days. And then the fraud marks, we call them fraud marks, but it's the ground truth. It's the confirmed fraud that's coming from the banks. So those need to be collected still. And as soon as that model performance gets a bit worse, still good, but below a certain level that you would hope to have have um, rather better performance, then we can retrain the model. 
And the retraining is something that happens without human intervention. It requires inputting the new data, training the model again, learning the new model parameters. And then you have a completely new model. And that's really as if you had written a new rule set from scratch. So if you're going to write rules, it's a lot of work to update the rules often. But with AI models, it's automated, takes a lot of computing power, but not a lot of human intervention. Okay, well, that's a key area right there, too. Just to shift gears on you a little bit, too, is um, I've done some presentations on AI and where it's going with banking. And what people will then say is, well, what are we as humans going to do as jobs? Is AI going to completely replace humans in banking? Or is it just a case of where it's going to be able to complement and give us added things like, you know, the fraud detection? But we'll still have people that have to be able to do the things like you just said, go through and update it and make sure that it's it's working properly. So, yeah, so is like there, to, should there be a concern about my job being taken away? Yeah, so I'd like to reflect on that and I'd like to take it up to a higher level, actually. So, okay. so people are talking about chat GPT and it seems magical, but what would happen if, you know, we don't have the creative mind of individuals? We would just have kind of this recycled content that's kind of half okay and sometimes it's even like that now but if we don't have artists and creators and experts then you're just not feeding good information into the models and they actually get worse so there's a term for that but I, I'm going to have to look up what it was but it was a it was a really nice term and that's the same thing that, that would happen with a model that you're not updating, where you don't give in good examples of fraud. So you need experts in the loop. They need to verify the fraud that they're seeing. And yeah, we need, we need to input that new information back into the models. Well, see, and, and is being, it's only as good as the data that's been fed to. And I love how you hit on that because I can say a reason why you need the experts is I've gone through with some things with chat GPT and I've noticed like, for example, with things with RTP, FedNow and even ACH, just to ask it some questions, it was wrong. It was wrong. You know, if, if you're not the expert that didn't know this, you wouldn't pick up on that's not actually 100 percent true in what it stated or how it stated certain things. So mm -hmm. I, I know it's pulling from the data and it pulled from bad data in that situation, but it still takes the expert to be able to identify that that, you know, or to clarify and to review to make sure that what is working is working as expected. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I remember the term. So it's called model collapse. That's the model collapse. model collapse. So it sounds disastrous, but it's, yeah, if AI is learning from itself, well, that doesn't work yet, at least not yet. Well, I got a feeling that my next dinner with friends is going to be a discussion about model collapse and how that works, because I really love being able to have that to help educate people on what's happening in AI in the world there. And again, but to focus more on banking, what do you think is coming in the future as far as in the banking world? What do you see AI doing for us in the future to be able to help and enhance, you know, the customer, the end user experience or to help and enhance the people mm -hmm. working in the fraud, working in compliance, working in operations departments to improve 
the, the whole world of electronic banking. So I think one big area is how we collect data. So even the best banks now, they are sending out multiple choice questions. Was this transaction you or not? And that goes to the cardholder and they have a limited amount. I mean, they can reply yes or no, and that that's automated. Mm -hmm. But when you think about talking to chat GPT and it seems to understand you and it's collecting this information that you put in, well, imagine instead of that yes and no SMS, if the cardholder could just give back more information and he could say, oh yeah, I was in that country and yeah, the, that's, that could have been me, but no, it's, um, was, uh, my card was stolen and I think it happened at this store where this shop um, took my card to the back of the shop for a moment because they said they needed to swipe the mag stripe in order to because their machine in the front was broken. And so then suddenly you have the name of a merchant and you have a story and you have a fraud pattern. And if you could distill all of that information into a format that AI can learn from, then you've got a lot more than just yes and no, that transaction was me or not. Yeah, so the more data you have, the more you can actually build upon it and do some checking. You know, it's ironic that this past weekend, I carry two credit cards, uh, one to back up each other, and I had fraud on both. Really? One was an actual true fraud, like I have no idea what this came from, and it got my card shut down. The other one was actually an unauthorized transaction. It was something I'd previously authorized, but I'd since removed authorization and all of that. Mm -hmm. And in that situation, if I could have done just like you said, which is what I ended up doing when I got on the phone is I was trying to tell the people, it's not really fraud. It's just not authorized. Right. And I had explained that I did have an account with them. I did close it and I can prove I closed it, you know, six months ago. So I don't know why they're still trying to go through with it, but I don't want it to be able to go through. And, of course sure, they just sure. completely and then you're talking the to an employee in a call center and they have to take what you're saying and put it into numbers. And they have yeah. to click some boxes and they have to figure out, okay, he said this, which category is that? And maybe it's a new employee maybe or maybe it's one with a lot of experience that makes a mistake. But the AI chatbot, it's likely that it would actually get it right and it would put it in the right category. And if there's not a category that seems to fit what you want to say, it would make a request to create a new one. So, yeah, the information is lost in a lot of cases, and it's quite tedious to collect. And you might have to wait on the phone until you can reach a human, and you might just give up, and the information never gets to the bank, especially if they Bobby, have Bobby, were you, paper. like, looking over my shoulder yesterday as I was going through all of this? Because that is exactly what happened. Uh, believe it or not, in both instances, both cards, it was totally different situations. Hmm. One, I did get on with the chatbot. My problem, my card reactivated, new card actually coming, everything taken care of, less than five minutes. Because I'm on with the chat bot, it's asking me questions, I'm giving the answers, we got to a resolution. And, and I could tell it was a chat bot because I've done enough research and working with this. Whereas the other one, it took three phone calls, about two hours of my time in the day to finally get it resolved. Right, right. 
And why did you stick through? <laughs> That's the question. I probably would have well, given up. You know, here's the reason the answer for this is I just told you one card is getting a new card issued. Mm-hmm. The other one, I needed to just get the card reactivated. Well, I'm going on a cruise tomorrow. Yeah. So I, on this cruise, I need to have a working credit card, not just, you know, a debit card. I want a working credit card, the added protections, the points and all of that. So I'm like... I have to suffer, let's say, uh, through yeah, the, the yeah. all of this to get it back up and working. And uh, yeah, and I can attest too to you. Yeah. Somebody was checking the boxes because the lady I was talking to, she's checking the boxes. She's not happy. She's not very nice at the time either. But once we got to a certain point, her whole tone changed. She's like, "Okay, well, Mr. Olson, we will go ahead and take care of that. Your card is now reactivated. Have a nice day." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and if people are busy. They don't have always time to spend on the phone and yeah. Yeah. It was one of those that at the end of all of it, I, 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 you know, to me it was an attestment to how wonderful the world of AI can be to be able to improve the customer experience and how it can be used also in conjunction with the employees of a financial institution. So I don't see it eliminating jobs. I see it improving and enhancing jobs. Mm -hmm. I see it as improving and enhancing the customer user experience. And I definitely see it being able to get to a point to stop or at least identify more fraudulent situations, which can then save us money. Right, right. I mean, I think people are right in some cases to be frustrated about AI and to be feel like there's no human connection there and they're missing the good old times. And I can understand that. And even in cases where someone tells me something and about a technical problem, I say, well, that, that's not really AI. But yes, you're right. That's a technical problem and it's an IT problem. And so I talked with a professor that said it, it took her 20 minutes to check into a hotel and download an app and load her digital key card for her room onto the phone. And she was quite frustrated that she couldn't just check into the hotel at the desk and pick up her key and go to her room. So, so I mean, but that's not really AI and that's not really a smart, smart use case. But, but people that are against AI, they tend to think of examples like this. And they, they would just yeah. like to go to the local shop and have a nice conversation with the the merchant that they know. And I was in in the psychology lecture that I attended a couple of weeks. I I was actually one of the few, the only person that was bold enough to ask a question. Well, do, do you think AI is maybe just not good enough yet, and that it will get better and it will start saving us time, and she was quite firm. She said, no, <laughs> she said, I, I don't agree with that. And, but I, I stood my ground there and I, I'm, I'm quite convinced that we do need to be careful about how we're using AI and how, what decisions we make based on the information from AI. And I think it's quite risky for children growing up now that think AI can be an, an oracle that just knows everything. So we have to take it with a grain of salt. We have to use it responsibly. And, but then it has a lot of potential to save time and to allow us to concentrate on things that are more important. 
Well, I think we're going to have to end right there. That is a great way to go out because you are absolutely right. I couldn't agree more. I want to thank you for taking your time to be on the Payments Professor today and uh, or the Payments Podium. And anybody who wants to be able to get in touch with Bobby, you can reach him through me. Uh, that's Kevin at PaymentsProfessor.com. I'll be able to put you in contact with him. If there is a subject or if there is a speaker you'd like to see on the Payments Podium, also email me, Kevin at PaymentsProfessor.com, and I will do all I can to get them on and give them a chance to be able to speak about their expertise or that particular topic. Other than that, for today, I have to say, class dismissed. Thanks, Kevin.